0: It won't have escaped your notice that we're careering into one of the highlights of the British calendar, which is, of course, Hedgehog Awareness Week, an annual celebration of all things hedgehog, and a time to consider how we might be a little bit nicer to our spiky friends. I found out a few things I didn't know about hedgehogs while I was researching this podcast. I didn't know that they are noisy eaters, which is wonderful. Um, I didn't know there was a hedgehog house which is, the hedge, which is the headquarters of the British Hedgehog Preservation Society, which also produces a, a hogalog, a hedgehog-themed product catalogue. Uh, that led me down the rabbit hole of discovering Hedgehogs from Space, which is a kid's book about hedgehogs accidentally being taken to the International Space Station, um, and also discovering their mentioned Shakespeare's plays, where they're described as hedge pigs and, and urchins. Uh, Much, much more sadly, I was also not aware that their numbers had declined so much. Uh, We're now talking about a 97% reduction in hedgehog numbers in the UK since World War II, Uh, and the reasons for that, mainly habitat loss, uh, is still happening today. Um, Hopefully you will agree with me that there's never been a more important time to engage with the hedgehog. They're not just adorable and cuddly and interesting to look at, but they're a hugely important part of our natural environment and well worth all the protections that they can be given. I had the enormous good fortune of getting to speak with ecologist and author Hugh Warwick. You might be familiar with him from the many talks and public appearances he makes on the subject of hedgehogs. He has become this country's go-to hedgehog man, uh, and as he explains, hedgehog awareness is not just about the hedgehog, it's also about their role as a gateway species, getting people to take more care of our world Through our National Fondness for Hedgehogs. Uh, He's a fascinating man to speak to and I hope you enjoy this interview. So Hugh, um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, It's very good of you uh, to do so Um, and you're heading towards what must be a real um, highlight in your calendar, uh, Hedgehog Awareness Week. Um, Would you be able to tell me a little bit about the background to that event and um, what we can expect from it?
1: Thanks, Ashley. That's great. Well, the British Hedgehog Preservation Society, which was set up in 1982, um, it was interesting. The Hedgehog Society was set up because Major Adrian Coles, um, uh, a retired army man, had found a hedgehog trapped and dead in a cattle grid. And it's a, I, I vaguely remember stories in probably John Craven's Newsround, which will be revealing my age somewhat, of, um, of this being a, an issue and how Initially they started putting bricks in cattle grids to stop hedgehogs uh, being trapped down there. And now there is actually a ramp that's supposed to be included. But right at the beginning, um, back in the 1980s, there wasn't an enormous amount of attention paid towards hedgehogs. There was a lot of misinformation about hedgehogs. There were stories about what they ate or did, which were simply not true. And so the idea of the focus of an awareness week was so that we could put a lot of effort into one short period of time to try and get people thinking about and talking about um and learning about hedgehogs i have to say now that, that the amount of work that i do as a spokesperson for the british hedgehog preservation society suggests that we've stretched hedgehog awareness week to cover most of the other 51 weeks of the year
0: it is because I, I think it's the, the animals which people really do want to hear about and attract i think that the media and, and and individuals are really keen i think to every year not just in this week but all the time i are always interested because I think they are just well they're just so interested to look at I think primarily I guess it must be um, but this is for you this has obviously been a, a lifelong interest and it's probably fair to say you've pro- you're probably more closely identified with them than almost anyone else
1: um,
0: what, how did you end up being so interested in them?
1: Well, I, I'm an ecologist by training, and I was doing my degree back in the mid-1980s at Leicester Polytechnic, and um, I got an opportunity to go and look at the hedgehogs on North Ronaldsey. Now, this is the most northerly of the Orkney archipelago. And the hedgehogs have been introduced up there in the early 1970s um, and uh, 12, 13 years later were blamed for the dramatic reduction in breeding success of many of the ground nesting birds. Now, North Ronald is very flat. There are really no trees. There's no cliffs. um, So pretty much anything nesting there nests on the ground and hedgehogs will eat bird's eggs. And so my work began as an ecologist looking at a wildlife um, conflict. And uh, it was, it was a fascinating exercise. I went back um, uh, very soon afterwards um, to visit. I went back and then with, with, with another project on my, off my own back uh, because I was finding that, that really, whilst many people had been studying the hormonal fluctuations of hibernating hedgehogs, not many people had been looking at the basic ins and outs of hedgehog life. I mean, there was, there was two people in particular, a Dr. Pat Morris and uh, Dr. Nigel Reeve, both of whom are, are now colleagues and friends who had been at the cutting edge of this sort of research. Uh, but otherwise it was an area which wasn't massively explored. And from a point of view of a, an ecologist who, I mean, I like my little bit of adventure every now and then, but you've got to consider the hedgehog as a species that when it's confronted by what it considers to be a threat, Um, it either frowns or it rolls up into a ball. They don't have a fight or flight response. So you don't need to be fleet of foot to chase them. And you don't need to be um, sort of body armored to be able to look after them. Um, So you can, you can wait your time. They're not going to attack you. They're not going to run away. You can catch up with them. You can weigh them. You can do whatever checks you need to do, release them, let them get on their way. So they're quite accessible. And add to this as, as you quite rightly mentioned, Ashley, people love hedgehogs. And every time there's a vote or a poll, uh, the hedgehog always wins, you know, the nation's favorite animal, favorite species or whatever people love hedgehogs. And this means that we've then got a very ready way of discussing many of the larger wildlife environmental conservation issues. Uh, but through the guise of the hedgehog, we can talk about the way our food is grown, the way that we travel around the country, the way that, um, Our energy is produced, the way that pesticides are applied to our fields, the way that our landscape is chopped up into smaller pieces, all sorts of issues which may not be right at the front of people's minds, suddenly become accessible because you're talking about them through the lens of a hedgehog.
0: Are they, because like you say, they're kind of ubiquitous and and well known in in media circles and certainly when you're a child, they're very much in books and, and the like, are we still learning significant amounts about them? Is there anything still surprising you about them when, you, when you're doing your work?
1: Well, I mean, uh, my research days are, are sort of uh, a bit past, but I help manage the various projects which are ongoing. Um, the, there's a collaboration between the British Hedgehog Preservation Society and the People's Trust for Endangered Species and we run a campaign called hedgehog street and under this under the auspices of this we've funded a whole range of different researchers to go out and do the work and yes there is an awful lot that we need to know still Um, it's it's becoming apparent that that fragmentation in the landscape is a really crucial problem that hedgehogs face Uh, that even though they may only have quite little legs and not seem to move very far they do need I mean, a male will average two kilometres a night, a female one kilometre a night. Uh, But what we need to know is how we've begun to get an idea, sorry, of how big an area hedgehogs need to be able to thrive. And for a viable population, um, for a viable population, we now know that they need an area of nearly a square kilometre for a starting population of just over 30. Um, This is new research. We're beginning to unpick what it is that's going on. Also, for example, how much of the problem in our agricultural landscape is being caused for hedgehogs, that is, is being caused by badgers and how much of it is being caused by the lack of macroinvertebrate food. Um, Trying to to, uh, unpick these complicated ecological ideas is going to keep researchers um, uh, working for, for, for decades to come.
0: What's the, I mean, I'm asking you, that this is an enormous question, reality, but is there, what What are the solutions to this fragmentation as you d- describe it? Is there, a, apart from not fragmenting, I guess, is there a way um, that we can do things differently? That's, are there some, I don't want to use the word easy fixes, even though I have just used it. Is there anything that we can be doing now?
1: Well, I mean, it, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. And yes, easy fixes, there are not many. Uh, uh, Perhaps another way of looking at it is, uh, a while ago, the um, uh, online petition website, change.org, got in touch with me. And change.org said, yeah, we see that hedgehogs are are, are, are really, they're gaining a lot of interest. Um, Would you like to to run a campaign uh, calling for some dramatic change to help hedgehogs? And and, and it was essentially the same question, what is it you'd like to ask for? you know, to help hedgehogs get back to their former glory, because we know that populations are down uh, uh, dramatically, uh, even in in my lifetime. And um, so I sort of half jokingly began with, well, let's dismantle industrial capitalism. And you could sort of hear the gasp from the people whose uh, um, business model relies on it. Uh, And then gradually we were sort of pushing ideas back and forward. No, we weren't going to be able to lobby for enormous wildlife bridges to be built across all motorways. And the campaign, which which has now been running for a year and a half, um, is calling for all new housing developments to come with hedgehog highways built in, that little holes in the fences of the new uh, developments uh, so that hedgehogs can move between gardens. Um, and it, it, it's www.change.org saveourhedgehogs save um, And when we began, we hoped to get 10,000 signatures. Uh, we're just about to crest 700,000 signatures. I've met the Secretary of State. I've met with two of the largest housing developers in the country. And we've even got to the point now that Bovis Homes, the fourth biggest developer in the country, has made an absolute commitment that all new developments uh, where possible are going to come with these hedgehog highways built in. So, yeah, there is no one simple fix. I mean, essentially, the way that we travel around the countryside, the way that we grow our food, the way that we build our houses, all impacts on hedgehogs. And. We can't sort of do everything in one go. But the first bit is to do the bits we can manage ourselves. Look at the gardens that the hedgehogs use, manage them to benefit hedgehogs, but make sure the hedgehogs can get in. And so hence the hedgehog street idea, but also yeah, the, the petition idea, get the holes in place so the hedgehogs can make it into your garden. That's the first step.
0: Are they, I guess this speaks a bit to what you were saying about hedgehogs almost being the, uh, introducing people to wider issues, because I guess those hedgehogs holes will also help other wildlife um i assume
1: of course i mean this is it there is everything you do to help hedgehogs is helping other wildlife too so the the fact that we call for people to have in their gardens log piles and bramble patches and and compost heaps if they could lucky enough to have gardens and lucky enough to have the space Um, but any of these bits each of these things will help hedgehogs yes absolutely but they will also help uh they'll help birds they'll help insects they're going to help Bats, because the insects which are produced live in these areas will fly up and feed the bats. They'll help amphibians and reptiles. Um, It it is the entire ecosystem benefits when we help the hedgehog. And um, and there are many species which are less charismatic, less cared for, uh, that that inadvertently gain this benefit. And so I'm I'm a real let's work for the hedgehog. Let's work for the hedgehog. And yes, we are helping so much else, too.
0: Are they? So I don't think I've ever actually met a hedgehog uh, per se, which is kind of extraordinary. Um, but
1: what are they? I mean, are you an urban dweller? Have you? Um,
0: I live in Bristol, so I think that's possibly why. But I mean, they are around. I just yeah, happen.
1: definitely yes.
0: Um, uh, what are they like to to know as animals? Do they have any particular characteristics to speak of? Um, do they, I mean, do they have their own kind of personalities, or, or are we are we asking too much of the hedgehog at, at that point?
1: Oh, not at all. And I mean, it's it's obviously the children's stories anthropomorphize all wildlife out to the nth degree. But there is something special about the hedgehog. And um, I've actually had um, I've had some extremely precious moments in the company of hedgehogs. Now, I, I should point out at this stage, I am more of the sort of Dawkinsist sort of atheist type of thing. I'm not really into woo and spirituality. This is all grounded in um in in empirical evidence, you know, stuff which I see, stuff which I've measured. Um, But there is a thing, the the unquantifiable thing of love. Uh, And and the, the hedgehog has the capacity to engender that in people, partly because, as I mentioned earlier, they don't have a fight or flight response. If you consider most wildlife, when you get close to it, it either bites you or it runs away or a combination of both. But the hedgehog doesn't. First of all, it frowns brings the spines forward over its forehead. It's the same frown muscle that we've got, but it goes all the way down to its tail. It frowns, brings all the spines up in a jaggedy pattern, and then eventually will roll into a ball if it's really bothered. This means you've got an opportunity to be very quiet and calm and wait for the hedgehog to unroll. And then you get a moment of something very special. You can get nose to nose, even if it's briefly, with this absolutely stunningly sentient animal. I mean, this is... I've done research on loads of different species um, out in the field, and I've handled all sorts of small mammals. And really, on the whole, once you've met one wood mouse, you've met them all. But each hedgehog I've met, they tend to come with some degree of character. Some of them are very calm. Some of them are really grumpy. Oh, God, some of them are grumpy. Um, Some of them are just very, very flighty and will run away um, after they've, they've come out of their ball. But they have a degree of character. And um, when I've been radio tracking hedgehogs for extended periods of time, you begin to actually find these characters. You can begin to identify hedgehogs uh, by the way they're behaving when you see them, because they are all subtly different. And I mean, there are people who rescue hedgehogs. There are hedgehog carers around the country of whom they number probably uh, at least 800. And I'm sure they will say the same thing, that hedgehogs come with different characters. And so what this means is you're presented with an animal which you can get close to, but has character. And that means that moment of nose to nose, the moment of gazing into the eyes of this other creature can allow you to make a really dramatic shift in your relationship with nature. And this is, this is moving into a little more tenuous area, but uh, the American writer, Stephen Jay Gould um, said, we will not fight to save what we do not love. And um, I used that really to, to bolster my argument that the hedgehog is the most important creature on the planet, uh, which that whole idea of, of finding something to love, which you can then fight for. All of the wildlife and conservation groups understand this well, and they're trying to get us to fall in love with nature so that we will fight for it. And that's really tricky, because nature's this yeah, very, very nebulous concept. So you need to find your gatekeeper, your gateway species. Um and, and but they tend to rely on the charismatic megafauna, you know, elephants and lions and whales and the like. Um, and they're beautiful and they're amazing. But you know, I'm as likely to get nose to nose with, um, one of these, these amazing creatures with the humpback whales. I am with, with Angelina Jolie. I mean, these things aren't going to happen. Yeah. You know, if you're lucky enough, you'll, okay. well, I'd probably need a stepladder too. Uh, but if, if, I mean, if you're lucky enough, you'll, you'll fall in love with a girl or the boy next door and the hedgehog is the animal equivalent It's the one you've got a chance to do that with because it doesn't have the fight or flight response because you can get nose to nose to it. And once you've made that connection with nature, through this one gateway species, you do risk falling out of liking and into loving. I mean, that, that, that difference between liking and loving is absolutely crucial. I think it's it is it's very telling that, that social media encourages us to, to like things. Um, no revolutions are ever born on the back of people liking things. It's only when we start to love that we will truly fight.
0: Yeah bit like I think Bristol, Bristol Zoo Gardens old slogan used to be see it sense it save it which I thought was a very kind of nice summary of partly why it exists I suppose um but also too, I guess with I guess with hedgehogs um in particular you've I guess you almost need more adults I suppose to become more in not not more engaged but I think having those moments of connection are, are somehow harder, I guess because you don't go to events where you're not on on the ground in your garden i i always get the impression people's stories about connecting with nature it's not just hedgehogs i guess it's probably all nature all these stories that cover people's childhoods it's you know when i was scurrying around on the ground i found these bugs that's when i connected well, i suppose um part of it has to be making sure that adults have that as well i i, I guess
1: um, I would say that, that adults do I mean the, the nearly 700,000 people signing up to my petition are, are adults um, the I've got a, a Facebook group which is uh, hedgehog highways Facebook group because it was too hard to manage the change.org petition uh, all the communication with it and there's nearly 7,000 people signed up to that and again yeah you know, this is an adult audience and these people care and these some of them are new to it some of them are very new to it and there's been a lot of really interesting work there was a there's a, Oh, I've forgotten the name of the person whose book has just come out, uh, looking at the, na- the natural health service. But, but prior to that, we had Richard Mabey's book, Nature Cure. And then on, on Chris Packham's wonderful um, uh, nine o'clock in the morning's um, uh, uh, live casts on, on various social media, they had the amazingly uh, inspiring uh, um, young uh, naturalist called, called Lizzie. Oh, Lizzie Guntrip, I think her name is um talking about what wildlife you can see from your house from your home from your window and, and the vital part that plays in combating um you know, the, the the various swathes of, of mental illness and, and unhappiness sadness which which can sweep us especially in times like this which are uh, where we find ourselves somewhat um compromised yeah and
0: so as individuals, what can we do to help um, hedgehogs uh, in our own gardens?
1: Well, I mean, on the very practical level, the first thing to do is to remember that whilst you may have the world's most amazing wildlife friendly garden, and whilst you may marvel at the moths, the bees, the butterflies, the birds, and the bats as they flit around your place, um, hedgehogs have yet to evolve the capacity to fly. Uh, um, Though the RSPB seem to think that they're probably well on their way to it because they use the hedgehog enormously in their fundraising work. Um, So the the hedgehog needs to get into your garden first, and that simply means a whole. The campaign that we run called Hedgehog Street, the simple message of that is uh, we're doing a hedgehog's hedgehog street develops when you've got people making holes in their fences 13 centimeters across let the hedgehogs move between gardens and it's the beginning of it let the hedgehog into your garden and then the next part of it is just get rid of the cult of tidiness make sure that part of your garden is a bit rough Make sure that part of your garden is a bit unkempt, that some wildness is allowed to exist there. Um, So log piles, compost heaps, a wildlife pond is is an absolute uh, um, treat. uh, But make sure that it's something that wildlife like hedgehogs can get into and out of. They can swim, but not forever. Um, Then look for hazards around your garden. Look for netting. I mean, netting can be absolutely disastrous for hedgehogs, whether it's fruit netting or sports netting look for the open drain covers that you might've been doing a bit of maintenance and forgotten to cover up. Make sure that the hedgehog is actually a little early. You're talking about whether you sort of get down on your hands and knees and snuffle around the place. And that's how we get these ideas of fondness for nature as children. But even as adults, we need to shift our perception sometimes and to begin to really think hedgehog, begin to just imagine what it's like to be a hedgehog. Imagine what you need. You need food, you need shelter and you need water. Is there a shallow dish of water? Is there enough life in your garden to support hungry hedgehogs? If not, put out some extra food. And is the place, are the places for hedgehogs to shelter, um, whether it's a hedgehog house or even just a little bit of brambles? That way, you help hedgehogs. And as you rightly point out, you help so much other wildlife too.
0: And um, food-wise, I guess it's still meats of some sort? Is it is it still dog food? I remember being told it was dog food a long time ago. I, I don't know if I the guidance has changed. Hed-
1: Hedgehogs are carnivores. Um, They eat meat. Um, There was some fascinating work looking at the um uh, teasing apart the dna in in hedgehog feces um i'm glad i wasn't doing that work and um it was there's the alarming moment when they discovered that that a lot of these hedgehogs were were eating cows and pigs until it dawned on the researcher that actually this was from the pet food that they were um, being fed um so meaty pet food i mean their main diet is macroinvertebrates. it's the you know the beetles the caterpillars all those sorts of animals and worms and slugs um but uh when you're supplementing it meaty pet food um and the creation of a feeding station is actually quite useful um this is a a sort of upside down box of some sort or other please just search online there are numerous design potentials out there but it just stops other animals getting at the food before the hedgehog does and you may not want to be encouraging the neighbor's cat into the garden or feeding the gulls in the morning you know let the food be there for the hedgehogs
0: fantastic um and if you don't have a garden um, you know, a lot of, we're hearing a lot about people who don't have gardens, I guess, and it must be there's so much on the internet at the moment about the the joy of being in your garden. Um, if you don't have a garden, how might you how might you help um, hedgehogs?
1: Um, you're absolutely right. and I mean, I I've I am very fortunate to have a garden. I just did a um, a, a link up with a family from Wuhan in China um, with Chinese TV company. They wanted a Um, alarmingly, they just, they chose us as a representative British family, which, which if you ever met us, you'd find hard to believe, but it was, um, and and yeah, this, this family in in Wuhan had been kept in their apartment the entire time, um, apart from rare moments when they were allowed to get some exercise. So, no, we are very, very fortunate to have a garden for those who don't have gardens. There is still a lot that can be done. And I mean, it's a bit more political. It's a bit more campaigning, I suppose, but it's working on trying to solve the problems that hedgehogs face. It's working. I mean, get in touch with with my petition site, the change.org site um, and sign it and spread the word. Get in touch with your local councils when you see them out and about spraying um, glyphosate along all of the the paths, for example, or when they are uh, um, sending out the teams with mowers and strimmers when they're back out doing that sort of thing. Have a chat to your council about the way they manage the the um, amenity grasslands and see if they can do that in a hedgehog friendly way. The British Hedgehog Preservation Society has got an entire campaign based around uh, encouraging these teams of people whose job it is to maintain these sorts of lands um, to do it sensitively, to do it with hedgehogs in mind and to whatever access you've got to any green space look for the hazards that hedgehogs might have. If you've got the opportunity to pick up litter, pick up litter. All of these little things can hamper the hedgehog's ability to thrive. And um, yes, you may not be getting the direct benefit of having a hedgehog in your garden, but my goodness, it helps hedgehogs with their chance of surviving.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. And of course, next week is the perfect time. The coming week is the perfect time to to start making some of these new actions if, if you can
1: i guess hedgehog awareness week yes third to the 10th of of uh, may and um on the 3rd of may uh we bizarrely we had never got round to having a youtube channel um but i've just recorded one of my um 45 minute lectures um complete with slides uh and um that is going to be go live on the youtube site on sunday so if you want more information if you want to see the pretty pictures You can log on to the British Hedgehog Preservation Society YouTube account and um, have a rummage.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much and, and best of luck with next week.
1: Many thanks, Ashley. Bye bye now. Bye bye.